Welcome to the Follow the Leaders podcast, where we get a glimpse into the minds and lives of exceptional leaders and hear about their experiences, insights, and strategies for success. On today's episode, we'll hear from one heart-centered, effective leader and hear about their wisdom and perspective. So get ready to follow along. Welcome back to the podcast. We are in for a treat today. Today's impressive guest is leading an organization with an equally impressive mission. Joining me today is Natalie Nelson. Natalie is a strategic marketer and visionary leader with a track record of bridging digital strategies and business goals. She is the executive director of Women in Technology Wisconsin, a nonprofit dedicated to attracting, growing, and retaining girls and women in technology careers. With experience at Aaron's Company, Ascension, Philip Morris, and Oshkosh Corporation, Natalie excels in digital strategy, team leadership, and growth initiatives. Her current role at WIT Wisconsin involves driving the organization's mission across various pillars, leveraging her expertise in integrated marketing, data analytics, and executive influence. Natalie's passion for leadership aligns perfectly with WIT's mission to empower women and girls in Wisconsin's tech industry. If we rewind a couple decades, my path crossed with Natalie's at UW-Madison, go Badgers, long before our leadership careers began, and I am so looking forward to reconnecting with her and hearing all about what has been happening in her professional life since then. Natalie, thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. Gosh, Jamie, that's such a great warm welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's nice to hear your voice again after all these years. It feels nostalgic in a very fun way, so absolutely to chat. So let's start with your current work life. Can you fill listeners in on what you do in your role and a bit about your organization? You bet. So I have to pinch myself most days that this is real. Having gone most recently from working in more of a corporate environment, I had the really great opportunity to lead an incredible team of people on an e-commerce initiative for the Aaron's company. But most recently, I'm with this wonderful nonprofit called Women in Technology. And we are dedicated to the state of Wisconsin developing programs and initiatives, hosting events and providing mentorship opportunities for girls and women throughout their consumer journey. So from that K through 12, all the way through that working professional, it is our mission to support that growth and to give opportunities to attract, grow and retain girls and women in technology. So it's a very fun organization and I have a really, really fun role. That is so awesome. So I'm sure that in such a varied role, things change frequently, but like what does a typical window into your work life look like? What are your responsibilities and what makes up the bulk of your work time? Well, you know, that's such a good question and it changes, right? I think it changes depending on the week or the month or the time of the season. So right now we're in our heavy programming for the year. So we kicked off our season, if you will, September 1st. So like a day in the life of Natalie is I wake up, I get the kids ready for school with my husband, we, we bike them into school. And that's all fun. And that's an important part of why I accepted this opportunity is I wanted that flexibility. I wanted to be more visible with my kids. Typically, before that even starts, I usually work out at 430 in the morning, set my brain right, get the clarity in my head, have a cup of coffee quick, answer a bunch of emails, send the kids to school, and then I jump right in, usually have a meeting to kick off the day, meeting with another wonderful, powerful person in our community across the state to talk about initiatives. We are hosting events across the state with Women in Technology, so we are always looking for opportunities to partner with sponsors and companies to truly create some reach. So I'm typically meeting with a a sponsor or a partner to talk about how we can work together, collaborating on their initiatives on DEI and women in inclusion, 
and then how we can work together to kind of help them spearhead those initiatives. And then I try to grab a lunch somewhere along the way, but it doesn't always happen. It sometimes turns into a cup of coffee with a friend. And then as I roll into my afternoon, which is always super fun, I, I have more of these type of meetings and I try to sneak in some emails. And then I conclude the day with picking up my kids right around 3.30 whenever I'm able to. And then typically in the evenings, we have four different regions across our state, so four different chapters. So we typically have a board meeting in the evenings. So between our state board and then our four regions, we have five different board meetings over the course of the month. So my evenings are usually wrapped up in an event to support another amazing nonprofit in our community or attending a board meeting. It's kind of a day in the life. Yeah, that sounds very full. So you have four different regions. I'm curious about how your organization works. What is the interplay between them? So it's pretty cool. It's hard to talk about the regions without talking about our history. So we started eight years ago in 2014. A number of smart women across the state were coming together on these topics, really exciting topics in tech that they wanted to talk about and engage more in. And so it just started with this community of women. And then we started in northeastern Wisconsin in Appleton. And then over the period of time, we expanded to Madison, which is our south central region, and Milwaukee, which is our southeast region. And then most recently, in this past spring, we added the northwest region. So now we are officially a statewide organization. We were always supporting the state, but now we have focus areas across the state to give more energy and more support. So through those four regions, we truly, that's our reach across the state. Now you know how it looks. Mm -hmm. In terms of governance and structure, we have a state board. So that state board is accountable for developing some of the strategic vision with me, right? So together we come up with what are we trying to do? And then we use our regions to help us execute and develop strategy for the future of our organization. So we, we really do work together as one cohesive unit. And we're trying to figure some of this out, right? Our, our organization is growing and expanding, and they just recently added me five months ago. So before then, they only were volunteers. So oh, wow. it's kind of an exciting okay. time. I'm now, with my addition of my role as an executive director, I'm kind of that centerpiece to all of it. So whether it's working with a new partner or thinking about programming or talking about tech trends or simply just trying to make sure everybody has access to teams on the back end so we have a good way to communicate, I kind of am that middle piece wearing my CEO hat, my COO hat, and then my marketing hat every single day to make this all happen. Wow. Okay. So you're really charting a course for the whole organization statewide. Okay. That's really interesting. We're in a huge growth phase right now. Tell us more about that. So you're in a huge growth phase right now. And when you say execute the strategies, I did a little research, so I kind of have an idea of, of the types of programming you do. But do you mind sharing a little bit about the pillars of programming that your organization does? When you say execute the strategy, what does that mean? So our overarching reach, right, big picture, our vision, mission, values, that kind of stuff, that's all about we're trying to truly create more opportunities for women in tech. We're trying to help companies increase what the boardroom looks like, create diversity at that boardroom level. In the school age, we're trying to really, through that K through 12, expose girls to technology. What does that mean, right? And then going in the middle, we have that campus age, and that's truly for that college woman that is trying to figure out where she wants to go next after she graduates high school. So when you look at our three pillars, we have our first pillar is our wit for girls pillar. And that, again, is focused on that K through 12, really focusing on providing workshops, train the trainer events. We partner with organizations like the Girl Scouts, like robotics leagues to provide volunteers from our wit at work pillar 
further down. So we have this great network of strong men and women that then infuses that energy and that technology into that wit for girls. So providing like this is what it looks like to be a woman or a man in technology. So then you get these girls excited about the future that it may not be just coding. Coding's amazing and super fun. There's so much more to technology. Like my background is in marketing technology, but there's healthcare technology, there's engineering technology, that entire STEAM and STEM focus. So we're coming into the classroom, we're providing workshops, we're partnering with organizations, and we're just truly providing visibility of what it can look like. So our second pillar is our wit on campus, and that's truly focused on the next phase of the girl. So she is in high school. We've now partnered with other organizations to truly build that momentum. And then we want to keep her focused, right? Let's get her into that college. Let's find out if it's a tech school or if it's a, a university or maybe it's entrepreneurship. There's something that's the next step. So we're helping support her to make sure she's fulfilled. Most recently, we launched this year's season around our professional connections program, which is a mentorship program. So we have students across the state. We've partnered with over 15 universities to have women sign up to then partner with one of our mentors. So then we have women sign up and a few men to be the mentors. So we're matching students with mentors. So then for the entire school year, they have a leader in their pocket. Yeah. You know, they have someone there to be like, gosh, I need to write a resume. I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I need to network. How do I start? So that they can be that resource to kind of help close that major gap we've seen. And then our last pillar is our wit at work pillar. And that's probably our strongest muscle, essentially. That's where we do a ton of upskilling with working professionals. We're talking about tech trends. We're also doing workshops, but we also do some fun networking stuff, too. That's that like community of people that we truly are trying to grow. That's our differentiator. We want to partner with other organizations, other nonprofits, other women groups, other men groups, all groups to talk about technology and to help women have a space in the, the boardroom so that they can continue their career. So that's kind of our three pillars. I love it. Thank you for explaining that. No, I think that really helps with understanding. I, I am not in a tech world at all. So I appreciate you explaining that. Okay, so you touched on your background a little bit, but can you just share a little bit more about how you stepped into this leadership role and kind of what your path to this point has looked like? You bet. So, you know, it's funny how all of our journeys are. Our journeys are not a straight line. It's, you know, it's not A to B. It's not even A to B to C. Mine was like a squiggly worm where, you know, we started, <laughs> I had a Navy family grew up with mostly men around me and boys and like learned to be very comfortable in that situation. My mom was an amazing teacher and amazing mom. So I had a really strong female presence in my life growing up. She's still amazing and she's still an incredible leader. And then I went to Madison. That's where I got to meet you, Jamie. How fun. We had a great time in college. Go Badgers. Yeah. And then, and then I started my career. I started with Philip Morris USA and Yes, that absolutely was a big tobacco company, but man, did they do a good job of taking care of their employees and truly showing the impact of marketing, like how powerful it is to understand business and understand marketing. And then, as you mentioned, I kind of wiggled around a little bit. I, I got I dabbled in nonprofit work shortly after that. Mm. I started a couple of different animal welfare nonprofits, Orphan Animal Rescue, Wish Upon a Paw, really focused on how do we help stray cats and dogs? How do we reduce euthanasia rates and increase oh, wow. availability to sterilization procedures? Because you have to have some, you have to have a balance. You got to have a balance between <laughs> like, what are you doing for fun? And what are yeah. you doing to, you know, change the world for work? So 
that was kind of my nonprofit journey start. And then I decided I needed kids in my life. Uh So my husband and I chose to have two beautiful boys. And then I found myself working in healthcare. And then shortly after at Aaron's company. So then from there, I was at Aaron's company and I was finishing up a really great project on e-commerce, as I mentioned a little earlier. I worked with so many wonderful people at Aaron's company and I truly enjoyed my journey there. But I was ready for the next challenge. Mm -hmm. And this women in technology opportunity kind of landed right in my lap. I met with one of the founding women about an opportunity with errands. I was trying to learn, right? I'm a continuous mm. learner. I was trying to find new ways that we can enhance the e-commerce project. And I met her for coffee. She was recommended by a colleague to talk about growing e-commerce. And we just get it off. And then shortly mm. after, I saw this job description. And I'm like, I should do this because it's, mm. it's my passion of helping women in technology. I've always kind of like had one foot in marketing and one foot in technology my whole life. I'm passionate about women. I love helping women. And then here we are. So it's it's great because I now get to do a little bit of everything. I get to do marketing. I get to do technology. I get to lead people and help people grow and nurture that incredible environment. And and I get to, to do this, right, every single day, which is fabulous. Would you say that as you went on your, what did you call it, a wiggly? <laughs> a wiggly worm. A wiggly worm. <laughs> uh, as you went through your wiggly worm, did you naturally gravitate towards leadership roles in each of those steps? Or was there like a point where you had to pep talk yourself into stepping into leadership? You're executive director, like you're at the top. So how did you step into the leadership aspect in these different roles? Well, I think for me, and everybody has a different story, but I have always been driven to be a leader. I've always been fascinated by leadership. I mean, from having my dad as a captain in the Navy, I was just fascinated. Like, how do you get people to work together? How do you negotiate so everybody feels supported and fulfilled? And that has always been something that's fueled me. I'm constantly reading books about leadership. I'm constantly looking for ways to learn, right? I said something I wish I shouldn't have. How can I say it differently next time? So leadership's always fueled me. And it started when I was little. My mom used to tell me stories how we would move every single year of my life when I was a kid, right? That was just how naval life worked. And every time we'd move to a new community, mom's like, you'd be the first person to go out there and meet everybody in the neighborhood and then coordinate some kind of like a bike race or a running race or some kind of activity because we need to we need to get people together. We need to make change. I need to know you. You're an amazing person. Let's get to know one another. So leadership's very important for me because we are also very different. And I love that. Finding ways that we can all work together and collaborate is is something that I've always truly enjoyed. Awesome. Hey, listeners, I want to quickly tell you about a way you could be saving money on your everyday purchases. I've been using Rakuten for a couple of years now, and with zero effort, I've been able to get literally hundreds of dollars back in my bank account. Right now, they are offering a deal that you don't want to miss. If you sign up using the link in our show notes and use the extension at least one time before November 16th, that's coming right up. They will send you a check for $40. That's right, $40 back in your pocket. The website extension automatically credits your account when you shop with one of its partners. You get additional discounts as you shop and you get cash back. It sounds too good to be true, but I can personally vouch for how easy it is. Rakuten partners with thousands of your favorite stores so you can be saving money on whatever you're browsing. Click the link in our show notes and start saving money with Rakuten today. So 
You've shared about how WIT Wisconsin has so many different facets to it with different groups of people working on the bigger initiatives and then the day-to-day operations with your staff and your many boards and the many programs. And it is a challenge so often in leadership to keep the bigger picture in focus when we're also needing to manage the small details and manage all of the different aspects to that. And so I'm curious how you as a leader navigate this, like what works for you to say, keep the aims of advocating and supporting women in tech at the forefront while also needing to coordinate the logistics with all of your program sites and all of your meetings and all of your boards and all those connections. And this is something I'm extremely passionate about. So there's two things that I think are really important, whether you're coming to an organization or you're helping an organization kind of jumpstart, right? Like, I think there's two major things that you need to think about. I think the first thing is you need to understand what your mission is and everybody has to be aligned on what you're trying to do. What is it we're here for? What are we trying to change? What are we trying to improve? What are we trying to do? And that can be your mission. That can be your core values. That can be your vision statement. Something that you can all agree to that this is what we're trying to do. And then obviously that spills into a business plan and playbooks and all other many other different tactics and tools you can use to take that strategy, that vision, and then boil it down. More tactically, I think this is the second thing. I think communication, timing, and alignment is critical. I think as we're moving down the track, you have to constantly be checking in with your teams, making sure that people feel like they understand what's going on, being available if they have questions. And then the delivery of your message, the timing of that is also very important. So just firing out emails all day long is not an effective way to communicate. And I think that you need to be sometimes very visible and have Teams meetings or Zoom meetings with the camera on. So I think it's important, right? We need to communicate. We need to make sure that we're aligned on our mission and the activities that we're doing right now. We need to make sure that we time how we're communicating and the methodologies, trying different mediums to communicate with one another because we all think and process information differently and we need to do it a couple different times. Just because I tell you something once doesn't mean you're going to retain it or even understand what I'm saying. But if I repeat it between three and seven times in three and seven different ways, you are much more likely to understand what's going on and in a line. Then you need a feedback session, right? What's that retro or that feedback loop to better understand, okay, we talked about these things. You and I talked about these things. Now, what do you think? And then it continues. And just creating that pattern over and over again. I use it every single day in my job today, and I've used it every single day in in most of my jobs once I kind of understood that methodology. It really, truly keeps people feeling involved, feeling aligned, and because they are, that we're all Mm -hmm. in it together. And then on a practical basis, How do you, I mean, I'm just more curious because like you, I have a lot of hands and a lot of buckets and a lot of, a lot of meetings. And so sometimes I'm finding as everything is growing on my end as well, I'm finding like, I'm very present in the meeting. I'm having those discussions. I'm like, yes, we're going to work on this. And then I'm in another meeting and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is a great idea. We should make this change. And, and then I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, wait, now I need to go and execute those things. So I'm just more just not that there's a solution to it, but yeah. it's just, yeah, it's it's tricky. Well, I think there's, I mean, there, again, there's not one way to do any of these things. These are just Natalie's ideas of ways that I've managed that. <laughs> That's what we're here to hear. Because I'm getting the same thing, right? Like I've got sponsors that are calling with really great questions or emailing or teamsing or whatever it is. I've got colleagues and volunteers and members and board members that are all doing the same thing. It's It's almost, it's easy to get caught up in the storm. What I've tried to do is, First of all, I try to take breaks, which sounds counterintuitive, but I feel like I have to pause periodically and either go for a walk, 
whether it's just going downstairs and getting a different cup of coffee. What that allows me to do is to clear my mind. And then I create lists. I am kind of a maniac with lists. Like, And then when I create my lists, these are I actually have something in OneNote that I have always open. Each week I start a next, like a, a OneNote document. And in there, I'm putting like my hot things. These are the things I have to do. And sometimes by just putting those down, I'm like, this is not important right now. So I need to respond back to that person and say, I realize we had this really great conversation. I can't commit to this right now, but I would like to bring it back up in six months. So it's where you start to take that big bucket of all the things and start to whittle it down to like, okay, I can really do these three things well. So it's that constant reevaluation of all the things because you can't do everything So true. and you sure can't do everything well. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And that I agree about the taking breaks. It's hard to do. It's hard to do, but mm-hmm. it is important. So I'm curious, what are you finding are barriers for emerging female leaders in the tech field in 2023? And then how does this compare to, say, 10 or 15 years ago? Well, the tech environment and women in, in the workplace in general is evolving. And it is, in some ways, evolving for the better. And in some ways, it's not. There was an article that was recently published by McKinsey & Co., it just was released in early October, and I would love to share it with Please. you if you have any interest yes, in learning absolutely. more as well. It's got some incredible data. And one of the data points that they had that I thought was very interesting is over the past nine years, for specifically, women of color have continued to be underrepresented. However, we are seeing an increase in the C-suite. So like mm-hmm. that glass ceiling, there's a lot of discussion around that. Some of those metrics around the C-suite is we've gone from 17% women to 28%. So that's outstanding. So we're seeing the C-suite, although it's still extremely small, 28% of people in the C-suite are women. It's at least moving in the right direction. But all the data that I read, it's still, unfortunately, individuals of color are still the most underrepresented, and we really have a lot of work to do there. There are three myths that are kind of hot topics. One, One in particular is that women are less ambitious. That is a myth. That is not the fact, right? Another one is the biggest barrier right now is that the glass ceiling. We hear about the glass ceiling all the time. Is that truly the biggest barrier? And then third is that mostly women want flexible work arrangements. It's just women. Women are really the only ones that truly want flexible work environments. So I want to kind of debunk these three myths real quick and then give you some tips on what to do to kind of move us past that. So first and foremost, women are ambitious. They are extremely ambitious, not less ambitious than they've ever been. COVID didn't cause us to feel more weight. In fact, we have become more ambitious than ever. If anything, it was like an awakening of like, gosh, we can do more, but we need our workplaces to support flexibility. And it's not just women that are ambitious. It's not just women that want flexibility. Both men and women want flexible work. In fact, according to this McKinsey and Co. article, men and women are both seeing flexibility as a top employee benefit in the top three and critical to the success of a company. So it's not a black and white. Do women and men want to work remote or not? It's they want flexibility. And I think that that's something we really need to think about and talk about. And it is a major challenge today. The second big myth that I have been reading a lot about and doing a lot more research on and really hit home with me was around this barrier that there is this glass ceiling. That's the problem. We have one thing we need to tackle. It's a glass ceiling and we're done. There is still this concept around this glass ceiling that women get to this level and then they're just stuck. And that's still an issue. But that isn't the biggest barrier right now. 
what we're seeing as the biggest obstacle is around this concept of this broken rung. So what a broken rung is, is on a woman's path to leadership. When you leave college, again, this is where our Wood on Campus program is truly impactful in trying to tackle this issue. You graduate college, you are lucky to get that first job, and then what? So what we're seeing is there's this broken rung in the career ladder where you get that first job and then you can't get to the next level. And there's so much data that they're talking about now as they're doing more research. There's all sorts of data now in terms of like that woman in the continuum. And some of the misconceptions are, well, they're just not asking for the promotion. That's not true. Women are asking for promotions and there's data to support it. It's also another misconception around this broken run concept is that women are more likely to step away from work. You know, they've got kids now, you know, they got Girl Scouts, they got all the things they're going to step away. In fact, the data is telling us that 17% of entry-level men are choosing to leave and 16% of women. So it's not, in fact, truth. It's a myth. Both men and women, again, it goes back to the ambition piece. They're both very ambitious, they're very interested, and they're both hungry for that promotion. So it's really important for us to think about that performance bias. Mm -hmm. That's the term that's being used when they talk about the broken rung. When women are promoted or hired, unfortunately, that performance bias is telling us that when we look at a woman, we're thinking about her history, her resume. What has she done? How has she proven herself? What are her accomplishments? But when we tend to promote or hire men, we tend, again, these are, these are biases. These are not 100%. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. are not absolutes. But when we look at men, we're looking at the future, right? What wow. is this man capable yeah. of? He's shown this great track record, but I bet that tells us that he's going to do these amazing things. And even when you talk to women, I meet with women all the time. We still are like, we're kind of hardwired a little bit of like, I've never done this before. I don't know if I can do it. And then imposter syndrome kicks yeah. in. Not saying that men don't have this, but that bias is what's holding women back. And it's not just women's responsibility to fix it. It's truly a collaborative that needs to happen to support women, to do data, to better understand how to fix that broken rung. And it's really an important part for us to succeed, I think, as a workforce as we move into the future. So those were kind of some yeah. of my, like, I want to just share some myths that I hear all the time. And when McKinsey did this article, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's some really rich data here that we should be talking about. Well, I would love if you would send me the link to that. And I'll definitely link that in the show notes so that we can share that with listeners in case they want to take a closer look. But I'm so glad you explained those to me. And it really, you're so right. I actually haven't heard the broken rung metaphor before, but I find it to be really resonant. And I'm so glad that you're out there with leading this organization that's combating these things. And I, I have to internally chuckle a little that my women in tech leader that's sitting across from me right now is using data and science to talk about these things. So I was like, this is on brand. I do love analytics. It is something that I've always been super excited about, especially with marketing, right? How, yeah. Why is someone coming to our website? Should they be coming to our website? How do we know that the, this is the right person we want to have come to our website and then use those analytics to truly identify how to move that needle? I love it. So we've talked a lot about your success and how much progress you've made and how you're advocating for success for women in tech all over. What is one leadership lesson that you learned the hard way? Oh, you know, I would say it's listening. It's so hard for me to not just act and I think that I am continually working on that to just slow down and listen. Everybody has so much greatness to say, and it's not always easy to just be quiet and listen. And so repeatedly in my career, I think I have been encouraged and nudged and reminded how important it is to listen. 
I saw this TikTok yesterday and somebody was talking about a point they were trying to make and then the person they were talking to sort of interrupted to add something. And the initial speaker said, I appreciate how fast your mind is working, but I'm going to ask that you let me finish my point. And I was such, I was like, I probably am guilty of that sometimes too. Like my mind is on to the next thing or the next point. So I totally hear you on the listening piece. If you could give yourself a message for your first day on the job, let's say in this position, with the wisdom and the experience that you have now, even five months later, what message would you give yourself? Oh, gee, that's a good one. Grace is the first thought that comes to mind is just to give myself grace. I am a high performer and an overachiever. Like a lot of people are, I am not unique there. And I definitely entered this amazing opportunity with the mindset. I tried to create as much clarity as I could that this is going to be really exciting and new and different for everyone and to truly embrace organizational change management to go slow and all this great stuff. And then when you're in it, you're in the thick of it. It's still hard to not feel hard on yourself in terms of, Mm -hmm. gosh, did I listen enough? Did I, did I go slow enough? How do I go slow? I mean, for me, it's always like pulling back because I, (laughs) I'm always sprinting and I know that about myself. So it's hard. You know, I think in life it's hard. Not everybody wants to move at the same pace and may not be as passionate as you are in certain areas. And bringing everybody along is so important. And having the grace to yourself that, you know what, not every day is going to be great, but I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to have the grit to persevere and we're going to move on. So I think as a leader, you need grace. Very, very true. All right. I have some final wrap up questions for you that are a little more rapid fire. Does anyone come to mind that you could shout out who believed in your leadership skills, maybe even before you did? Yeah. Jamie, you have such good questions. I almost want your questions. These are so (laughs) good. I'd love to bring them into some of the women groups I'm a part of. Go for it. Yes. His name is Mike Lambert, and he is a former captain in the Navy. He did all sorts of cyber security stuff before it was cool. And I met him on my journey at Oshkosh Corporation, and I knew him for less than three months. And he made such a profound impact in my life in those three months that I got to know him. We have become lifelong friends. My husband and I have gone down and visited him and his wife, Lynn. They're incredible people. And our journey, like I said, is a wiggly worm. And my journey at Oshkosh was very short, but but Mike was an incredible leader and an advocate. And he he's like, Natalie, you're going to do amazing things. And whenever I would have those sticky spots at that point in my career, I'd give Mike a call and be like, I don't know what to do right now. These are my things. And he would just help me process. And I think he saw me as, he saw my future before I could. And he has always been such an incredible advocate. And I think you got to find those people in your life. Hopefully they come to you to, 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 you know, be that sparkling light when you really need it. Totally. I love that. And I'm sure he'll love to hear that. Shout out to him. And it's cool to be in a position now where we can be that person yes. for someone, right? Like it's 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 remembering to take those moments to slow down enough to empower the people that we see potential in. It's It feels really cool. Well, it's important to slow down. Yeah. I know that as fast as I move, I also know how important it is to thank people. Mm-hmm. We aren't where we are today. Our organization is not where we are today without a ton of incredible work from a ton of incredible people. And I really try very hard to start every meeting with a celebration to acknowledge either the person or the action or the event that 
happened recently that we needed to celebrate. We don't ever take enough time to celebrate all the greatness that we have going in in our lives and in our companies mm. and in our teams. And if there's one thing that I wish I could share with more people to do and to make it a routine is to celebrate, celebrate every possible success because nobody gets mad when you're celebrating. You're not no. like, oh my God, <laughs> she's celebrating again. No, yeah, it doesn't happen. Totally. People like to feel recognized and supported. Totally. And in 10 years, someone is going to be answering this question with saying, well, there was this leader, Natalie, and she said that I had potential because she celebrated me at this meeting. So anyway, kudos. Yay. I love that. (laughs) So cool. All right. My last question is, if you had a day off, truly off, where you could not accomplish any tasks for your work, your family had all the things that they needed and you were totally relieved of all to-do list items, what is one activity that you would do and one place that you would go to get something to eat? I would go in my yard because I love wildflowers and love gardening. So I would I would go play with my flowers as long as it's not the dead <laughs> of winter in Wisconsin <laughs> and just observe the birds. And I mean, it sounds it's just what I love to do. It's my sanctuary. Or I would go for a run or go work out because I do enjoy working out. But the place I would go for lunch, how fun is that? I love this place called Authors in Appleton. Huge plug to them. They have the best empanadas and the best chicken Alfredo I've ever had. It's such a fun place for lunch. So Awesome. Well, I will hope for a day playing with flowers and lunch <laughs> there for you very soon. That sounds very relaxing. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations on your new position and on all of the impact that you're having in all of your work. It's been so nice to reconnect with you. Can you share with listeners where they can find out more about your organization, how they can reach out to you if they want to connect, to talk with you in general, or to give support to your organization? How can people find you? Absolutely. So our organization, again, is WIT Wisconsin, or Women in Technology Wisconsin. And our website is witwisconsin.com. We have events, as I mentioned, across the state, tons of them. And there are so many different types of events. So I encourage anyone that's got any interest in upskilling their technology or networking in the tech space to visit that website with wisconsin.com to learn more about our events, as well as just to learn more about our organization. So many different companies around the state are right now working on DEI initiatives and tech initiatives to truly upskill because there's going to be a tech gap. So I look forward to talking to you and your company about those opportunities. And then myself, I am on LinkedIn. I am always looking forward to talking with other wonderful people, and I'm constantly looking for speakers. So if anyone's passionate about a topic related to tech and would have any interest in joining me on a call, I would love that information as well. So I think my LinkedIn is linkedin.com forward slash Natalie Jo Nelson. I'll link it. We'll link it in the show notes so that it's easy access for everybody. Well, thank you again, Natalie. I am excited to see what's next for you. And thank you to you all for listening. We'll be back next time with another inspiring interview. This is a message for the moms out there who are intrigued with the idea of starting a business. Those of you who have had an idea floating around in your mind, I'm here to tell you that you can make entrepreneurship a reality in a way that fits into your family life. It really is possible with the right guidance. I'm Jamie Gale, founder of Boss Mama, and I have been exactly where you are. Over the past decade plus of owning a growing business that I love, 
along with a family that I love. I have learned important lessons and I'm sharing them with you. There are a few things that you need to know before you get started. And I've put together a free resource specifically for moms like you. You don't need to have all the answers right now. And you certainly don't have to do it alone. Click the link in our show notes to download the free guide and take the first steps towards making that carpool mileage brainstorm a thriving reality. Let's get the fire started in your business today. Grab your free guide in our show notes. Follow the Leaders is produced by Lit Path Studios and music is by Shane Ivers. You can hear more about this show and all the other podcasts at Lit Path Studios by going to www.litpathstudios.com.